0: So trust issues, that's sort of today's topic. Let's open up with um, Brandon about that.
1: It's to learn these skills and you're not gonna learn them by studying the nine pizza toppings that narcissists always choose or the five Colors of socks that borderlines always choose. This type of content feeds into your paranoia. It feeds into your hypervigilance. That paranoia and hypervigilance will make you intimacy averse. At its worst, it could make you counter dependent to the point where any display of love from another person you will completely reject and you'll push them away. Post narcissistic abuse, you will be paranoid, you will be hypervigilant, and you will see. Every not nar- every normal narcissistic trait in another human being as evidence of a of a potential monster, which is not good. It's not going to help you. It's not going um, to encourage you and permit you to get back into a healthy, safe attachment with another human being. So this
0: is part of a warning that social media. And support groups give you bad advice or bullshit. You're getting too much bullshit, bad advice that doesn't really help you. It actually raises paranoia, hypervigilance, counter-dependent, where you just so scared of anybody. You have no relationships. You keep everyone arm's length because you're scared of getting hurt again. Does anyone relate? Yes. But How are are we going to get our simple answers if we don't get, uh, you know, the simple, quick three things to look for
2: in order to run the the other direction?
0: (laughs) It's counterproductive. That's sort of the teaser. Let's see if this stirs things up.
3: We share them on Facebook. We love them on the gram. We even tell them to each other. Probably at the worst possible time. So let me give an example. If you're feeling heartbroken, you can't love anybody until you love yourself.
0: So that's one bad advice, which we might get to later, which was you can't love anybody until you love yourself. That's bad advice and she'll cover part of why, but then she lists like three others common tropisms. Advice that is stupid. It's bullshit.
3: Expectations lead to disappointment.
0: That's also bullshit. It's true, but it's stupid. Expectations lead to disappointment. So what's the answer? Don't expect things. Put your head in the sand. (laughs) Now granted, uh, Vakman's saying nihilism. So yes, if you can fully own Nihilism. That can work.
3: When you're wanting to find a a career path, just follow your bliss. When
0: Just follow your bliss. What the fuck is your bliss? Uh, This vague pointer.
3: Somebody's hurt you. (laughs) Nobody can make you feel bad without your permission.
0: Nobody can make you feel bad without your permission. Say that to a narcissist. Say that to Trump.
3: Is it really true that you cannot love anyone until you love yourself? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So this is a controversial one. What does she say?
3: It's not if you're codependent. You're wrong. You're all wrong. Because it is biologically and scientifically impossible to love yourself in the same way that you would love someone else. So, that's right. Well, I I can see that. You can
2: be comfortable with yourself, at ease with yourself.
3: Well, it also implies a sequence of events. First, I love me, then I'll love you. And love doesn't work that way. Love hits at the um, uh, reptilian core of your brain, in the amygdala. You have no control over your love.
0: So love is not cognitive. Love is based on your trust. That's where codependents have a lot of trust issues and intimacy issue. Because intimacy and trust is a reptile, limbic brain thing. It's not a boundary setting, superego, cognitive thing. There's airplane. None
3: you're loving people all day long and your love your amygdala doesn't care how you feel about you it doesn't care (laughs) we're branding this nonsense love yourself love yourself love yourself
0: and she's fighting i took out a clip of her complaining because she's brainwashed Support groups and social media is full of all this self-care, love-yourself propaganda. So, who's triggered? Who wants to argue?
4: Well, I agree with Ross Rosenberg and self-love deficit disorder. Because I needed to, in two years' time, I developed a lot of self-love that I was lacking. And I lost a sense of myself because of my self-love deficit.
0: But how does that help you in your relationships? I don't know yet. To love others. (laughs) That's the formula. I haven't tried it yet. If you love yourself enough, part B is you'll be able to love others. Who has completed A and B? Or is it just this person who just wants to be more self-centered and just keeps loving herself so she can say, fuck everybody else?
4: Well, the key is to have a capacity for empathy. And if you have empathy, then you can love yourself and you can love other people.
0: Any other critiques or counter arguments?
5: Do black and white. Either way, yes it's either either way like okay to what end what's love like i love how she's the expert on the amygdala number one number two the fact that the way you love somebody is this and the way you love yourself is that says who so i think a lot of this is metaphorical in nature anyway and i think the prescription is not to go all the way to each end of the spectrum right so I can't bind either of them. I don't like that she's so polar opposite. The, the happiness is in the horizon of it.
0: Did you choose relativist?
5: No. Should I have?
0: Yes. What do you think half I empty, chose? Half full. <laughs>
5: no, I didn't. <laughs> true, though.
6: Let's or finish maybe, this
0: off. I agree that it's
6: all about semantics, because um... If, if, if somebody were to say to me, hey, um, do you need to love yourself before you love somebody else? I would say yes. But the way you love yourself is different from the way you love somebody else. You need to know yourself. It's different. You need to respect yourself. And that's a different kind of love than the love you would have in an interpersonal relationship. She is making the case that both kinds of loves are and should be the same. So that would therefore make her statement incorrect so it's just she's being very
0: well she's uh, saying that advice is wrong she's saying that you can't are the advice to say that you can't love okay but somebody there's, else there's a difference, love yourself? there's
6: a difference between saying hey this phrase is wrong and you all are idiots for thinking it and this phrase doesn't work for me doesn't make sense to me the way i interpret it i don't like it if you guys interpret it a different way then go with it. That's not what she's saying. She's making an absolute statement. She's saying yes. emotionally, she's playing expert the audience. And she's, she's trying to, white. she's trying to, she's a bit
0: preachy. It, oh, people are triggered by her, her tone. No. That seems like an issue. She's too certain.
5: <laughs> the, okay. So to, to, to that point though, the, that's right. Like the way that you love, you show love to yourself there's a bunch of different ways that people do that and there are, but they're shared items the way that you show compassion for yourself and forgive your own ups and downs is the same way that you're gonna see have
0: crystal compassion has a book others. of all these how to love yourself we're inundated with all these
7: daily cards
0: these they're advices
8: that make you My so me this
0: so self-centered we don't it? know how to listen it to is, other people.
8: It's a deck of. <laughs>
0: but
9: aren't we all guilty of that, Dave? Like of, it's a deck we've all
4: been being
8: self-focused. No,
9: off, um, we've all been in narcissistic relationships. We love <laughs> the version they presented to us more than we loved ourselves, right?
0: Well, I'd say that. How do you know you know yourself? (laughs) If you take an inventory, journal, I think Kurt went there in the journaling recently, and I've gone there. If you journal and see your history, do you really know yourself? And then let alone how much you know yourself. Who the fuck are you loving when when you're loving yourself? What the fuck is really happening? You're so inundated by this bad advice of loving yourself because it, How's that work? How is that helping all the self-care and all the, all, all you're doing is buying all the crap load of stuff and I, following all the attention, Instagram follow stuff, but how is it helping your life? How is it helping well, your you relationships?
4: Narcissist can take that and say, Oh, I'll love myself. And so, can the empathetic person can take it and say, I need to love myself? Both can take that and say,
0: And and now we have
4: something with it, but only one is able to love the
0: polarized self love people who don't care about the country or the other side.
4: I take it
10: as a metaphor, and how I look at it is that until loving yourself is being healthy. And until you're emotionally healthy, you're not going to attract emotionally healthy people. And um, narcissists can sniff you out. It's just um, it's it's unbelievable. So that's what I have come to. And I'm noticing um, I have moved recently. And the people that I'm attracting right now, mm. um, I'm just interested in in friends. But the, the women that are coming into my life um, are very emotionally healthy. And the people that aren't...
0: Have you triggered them yet? Have you challenged them? Have yeah, you talked politics them, yet?
10: Not about politics, but I challenged and I triggered one of them really bad because yeah. she yeah. does all this negative self-talk. And I'm just like, whoa, I used to be like that. That, you know, it, it it just, you're downing yourself all the time. But it is amazing that the the people that I'm attracting. So th- I think that's what it's more about. You-
0: okay, let's go and for this second part about affirmation and see if that triggers more people. This might be a harder sell than I thought. You're so in right. with what I think is right. bad advice, but maybe I'm wrong, so I'll... I'll entertain counters, but let's the second part.
3: Guess what? But guess I what? Do. Nobody tells you how. You know why? Because there is. Because no they're no all
0: giving how. bad advice.
3: That's <laughs> right! <advice. laughs> One of the things you also consider is bad advice
11: is giving yourself affirmations. And I was.
0: Now, this might trigger people giving yourself affirmations. How can that be bad advice?
7: So I think that sort of feeds into the whole aspect of people thinking they love themselves. So
3: for example, like if you were to stand in front of the mirror and say I am beautiful and you don't believe yourself to be beautiful, guess what? You are reinforcing what you don't believe. You are reinforcing that you don't believe you are beautiful. So not only are affirmations unhelpful, they actually can be harmful.
0: Because you're gaslighting yourself with something you don't believe by trying to repeat a superego injunction constantly. But then the narcissist has better tone control for superego judgment, so they can counter your tons of affirmations just by poking you with outrage, whatever your formula is. Affirmations counterproductive.
11: your book, do you tell us how to fix it? I do.
0: And then instantly, she hears this and says, what's the fix i want to be a slave tell me how to order myself around <laughs> and here's an example of what i think is bad affirmation we'll see if anyone most Today, of it is bad
12: i trust that everything will
0: Today, I will trust that everything will be just right. Do you want a football team to think this? You want the, the team to prepare for, everything's gonna work out fine. My plan is gonna work. I don't need to have a plan D. I don't need to have a backup plan. I'm just gonna assume everything's gonna work perfectly.
6: I think that alone is dangerous, but if you've made the necessary preparations, then it's good to have that attitude
0: yes if you're controlling what you can and then you just let the outcome happen that's better but that's this is can be interpreted well everything will just work out i don't need to worry
7: i I think with affirmations there's a few different things to it for first of all those that particular affirmation is something that is external
4: out
0: of your control Yes.
7: Yeah. So affirmations need to be something that's personal for one. Um, and the second thing I think is that they need to be uh, incremental um, instead of grandiose. And they need to be realistic because like, um, Richard Granin's hand mnemonic is an affirmations. That's what you're doing. You're repeating these things to help get your mind back into um, the right kind of frame of mind because for years, you gaslighting or devaluation, the, the techniques they use is repetition as well. So you're trying to undo that repeated negative speak with other speak. And I think you
0: can- With new brainwashing. Better.
4: Yeah, it's yes. new brainwashing because you never, if you came from a narcissist family, then you never had the program. So when you say get back to, that's like saying get back to sanity. Well, did I ever have a same existence?
0: Well, today we're trying to promote how to not need to brainwash because I'm lazy I don't want to be and I don't I don't listen to myself all right I can say anything it's a a lot of work to uh, say affirmations and it doesn't work for me so we're going to try to give you a third way but let's listen to some more
4: Crystal.
7: I I cringe
8: It makes me cringy.
4: When what? Affirmations. I not hear you.
8: Like my therapist like sets me that for homework.
0: Oh, your therapist gives you affirmation homework.
8: It doesn't feel good.
0: Why? It's like lying to yourself or you don't believe it? What?
8: I don't know why it feels cringy Just I don't know because it Have you told your therapist
0: that you feel like it, cringy?
8: It feels like a lie. Like, it feels untrue. Untrue? Yeah, she said it's a comfortable The affirmations aren't comfortable for everybody at first
0: at first well, I'm sure if you're a <laughs> so you need to keep doing it or you're a
8: narcissist isn't uncomfortable
0: <laughs> so that
4: sounds like a lazy therapist I mean
0: well no but, this is brainwashing listen yeah. to some more affirmations and you get a feel to for what, the, what the energy of this type of bullshit is
12: I'm powerful and loving and i have nothing to fear
0: how many people like this i'm powerful and loving i have nothing to fear
12: that right there
5: is soft there's no way that that can work I have to fear otherwise
0: this is okay i like this one this is okay this is neutral i trust Mm -hmm. in the process of life but if you don't you're lying to yourself because if you you're paranoid you aren't trusting life so, if you're telling yourself you trust life and you're paranoid, you're just confusing yourself with, with this part. Welcome, Trina. Next one.
12: I trust in the power of love to heal and guide me always. Thank you.
0: Always.
5: Sorry, it's amazing. Those who affirm, go for it. Go, do it. This
0: is bullshit, but.
12: (laughs) Yeah. I let go of expectations and trust that everything is happening perfectly.
0: Everything is happening perfectly. I will drop all expectation, all responsibility, all effort to own my responsibility and take stuff. I would just drop it, let go of everything and just trust everything's happening perfectly for me because I just love.
6: I think the, the slower and softer she says it, the more truth it has.
0: Yeah, you get the right tone in that uh, babying, mothering thing and you go into La La Land
7: I personally have to, um, like, my affirmations that I have, because I do them, are things that are so ridiculously small that everybody thinks are just basic knowledge that I have to um, basically, yeah, affirm to myself things like, specifically, I am my own self. I do not have to fix other people's problems. They can do them themselves. You know? (laughs) They are adults. They can solve their own problems. They're not my responsibility. That's my kind of affirmation.
0: Yes, but is that going to get to your your inner child that feels guilty, and will take uh, over your your whole consciousness? No. And, and help? No. Does it? Is it getting that deep into your shadow?
7: Uh, no, I don't think it. I don't think it's that it's getting deep, but it's stopping the um like I'm stopping myself in the track from. Yeah.
0: You're stopping your inner critic
7: behavior. Yeah. So it's
0: stopping your neuroticism. But exactly. it doesn't get to your inner child. That's right. my critique.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You're fooling yourself because you're sort of making progress because you're stopping the negative effect. But you're not setting a good foundation. You have no it's like, yeah. aim to grow.
7: It's like um, putting a tourniquet on to stop the bleeding, but I still have to fix the problem. So basically- you
0: have to identify the problem. Sometimes yeah. you have to open up the wound right. to find yeah. the infection. If you don't find the infection, you just cover up the infection and you die.
7: That that's true. But sometimes you're in situations, or at least I am, where you um, just find yourself falling into this a repeated pattern where you're going further and further down. And sometimes you just have to stop that so that you could take a breath and then work deeper for me.
0: We're getting there. Okay. Uh... How do I do this? Let's finish this off and see if there's anything else surprising you like have to have this music oh this is knows nice
12: what to do
0: My inner self
12: my like inner self always knows what to do
0: Just keep repeating that over and over again and then when you fuck up you can just guilt trip your more yourself more. Because you say, oh, my inner self knows, but somehow I still suck.
12: I trust my own intuitive insights. (laughs)
5: Okay, now that one. That one is what gets affected in all of this stuff, right? So I actually agree with that. You do have to trust your intuition, but your intuition also
0: has you to be You have to. But correct. it's disabled by the narcissist. The narcissist yeah. sowed doubt into your head so you don't trust your intuition. You're disconnected from your intuition. If you feel your intuition, you actually you're afraid of following your instinct because when you did You got hammered by a parent figure or society because your intuition is saying stop being a fucking slave. Stand up for yourself. Have some self-respect. You don't want to listen to your intuition. That's going to get you in danger.
12: My relationship is filled with love, respect and trust.
0: How many codependents do this? Oh, let me think about the love bombing. I want the love bombing. My relationship is beautiful. This narcissist was just triggered because of his long list of lies. If I jump through every single hoop, I will get back to a relationship full of love, respect and trust.
12: I trust myself to deal with each new development with wisdom and grace as it
0: arises. That's a long sentence. I trust myself to deal with. How? (laughs) All you're doing is saying, it's just going to happen because I believe it. Where's the roadmap? Where's the plan? Where's the strategy? Just saying this stuff makes you feel like you've already achieved it. But it is... mm -hmm. Your skill level, your proof of competence, has that changed any?
12: I follow my own true purpose with blessed clarity of mind.
0: Blessed clarity? and repeat these affirmations over and over and over and over. Yeah, I think Until the
4: ones you chose are kind of, you know, there. there's a lot of subjectivity in it. I think there are affirmations that are much more neutral that just have to do with our being and our life. They don't have to be as specific as these ones were. <sighs>
0: So now we have to go make this, con- or there's a request to make this conversation to make it more lighter or make it PG or G. What age rating is the request? Because <laughs> this is a heavy topic for traumatized people. If I have to massage a language to five year olds, that will be, that's a big ask. So I will consider the ask. <laughs>
11: okay. And I think to like you know, noticed
0: an... <laughs> so let's go back to the earlier, uh, earlier advice. You have to love yourself <laughs> before you love someone else. 02 oh, a two-year-old. A two-year-old's going to be tantruming and saying everything that's bad. So <laughs> they'll find stuff.
11: Spiritual peddling. You
0: can't... Spiritual peddling. This is increased.
11: You can't love someone if you don't love yourself. You don't know true forgiveness until you forgive yourself. You can't blah, blah, blah until blah, 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 blah. You know, we've all heard these phrases.
0: Oh, that's a good point. You can't until. What that means is this: this statement is a conditional statement that's sowing guilt in your system. <laughs> You're not good enough until you change this. You're not going to be happy until you change your belief. You're not going to reach whatever destination until you change, which is feeding codependence. Isn't that why all this is uh, so ingrained in the self-help world? I mean, you you can't do this until you buy my book. You can't do this yes. until you follow the
9: steps. You it's all evoking
0: you laugh. Join, join You're mind. not good enough until you Buy this, do this, change your thought, change your lifestyle until you do something different. You're not good enough. That is conditional love. (laughs) Love based on condition, the condition of you changing. That's the formula. It sounds good because it's
11: love someone if you don't love yourself
0: because it's about love but it's saying you have to change and then maybe you'll get love. You're not good enough. That's the underlying message here.
11: You don't know true forgiveness until you forgive yourself.
0: That's also, this is, what the fuck? Oops.
11: <laughs> well, I
10: find I find this deep so, so interesting and I, I wanna thank you. I always learn something so profound that I didn't understand. And one of the things is, um yeah i knew i had trouble making decisions and then when i got divorced i had all these decisions to make and here you are you don't know how to make decisions but it's amazing how i just had to like trust a feeling inside me one decision made me nervous and one made me calm and that's how i Mm -hmm. did things and now i'm able to trust my own intuition i now know and i'm comfortable with making decisions and the decisions i make are good but i never connected that i couldn't make decisions before because of the situation it really is a muscle memory i think
0: so you started making decisions where you weren't sure about it then you slowly got to see which decisions worked out better or which decisions were, were connected to your intuition. And then you got better. Well, these like are things
4: that a child learns. A child learns this. It's supposed to learn, as yes. The parent, as codependence the parent have allows
0: brain damage.
7: Yeah. yeah, if the parent doesn't allow you to,
4: then you don't get to learn. But if you did learn how to make decisions, because I did, I had to make a lot of decisions. Well, you're making decisions
0: because your De- parent parentified. So you're making decisions that are beyond your responsibility.
4: Or that too, yeah.
0: So you can't make decisions for you, that you can rescue everyone else fine, but you don't even know how to take care of yourself. That's why yeah, the self-love but if you stuff can, seems yeah. to fit. But it's- and,
4: and, and sometimes- If you can get out on your own, if you get out on your own and you live by yourself, and you make your decisions for five years, you could still end up with a narcissist and slowly they start making the decisions for you and you can't make a decision and then they leave you and then you're like, I can't make a decision. So you can learn it again. Uh, I'm learning it again.
0: Okay. Let's continue this.
11: You can't blah, blah, blah until...
0: So you can't blah, 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 blah until this is a, a guilt trigger. It's trying to get you to feel unworthy, but it's masked with uh, soft language that makes it feel like it's uh, compassionate.
11: Blah, 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 blah. You know, we've all heard these phrases before and I admit, I bought them. Can I help
7: you with anything?
11: Um, yes, I I would like to take uh, one oversimplification of my ability to love, please. Great,
7: that'll just be a couple years of wasted
11: time.
0: That's the price.
11: You know what? Yes, I'm gonna splurge. Wasted time. This is a gift for me, hashtag self-care.
0: It's already, (laughs) self-care.
11: That thing will fall out. Okay. It's already working. <sighs> and sure, okay, maybe there's some wisdom in this hackneyed phrase. Would loving yourself deepen intimacy with another? Yeah, absolutely. If we can approach ourselves with self-love and acceptance, we're probably more apt to open up to others, be vulnerable, show them all sides of ourselves instead of high
0: This is the theoretical abstract. That if you love yourself more, maybe you'll be able to love others. But who's done that? Go test the theory out. Or have you done that? How has your relationships improved? Are you just no contact? You're just spending more time. Are you becoming more fragile because you're loving yourself with bullshit affirmations? (laughs) I can't police my cursing. I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) It's
5: 50 cents in the swear swear jar already. You're killing it.
0: 50 cents. So.
11: Anyway, the parts we don't like, but I ultimately hate this phrase because I think it has it backwards. I think loving other people teaches you how to love yourself. The depth of which we can give to others, forgive others, love others. That is a mirror to exactly how capable we are. And I think across the board, it is way harder to give yourself the same graces that we often give to other people. For most of us. That's where the work is, treating ourselves with the same generosity that we give to the people we love. Because the way we treat ourselves, typically, is horrifying.
0: This is a good example.
11: Hey, you're
3: doing a great job. Thanks.
0: Oh, this might be bad for the two-year-old, so trigger warning
7: at being a total loser. Like, seriously, you're acing it.
11: (laughs) Melissa, are you listening to your inner critic again? Yeah. Okay, get away from the mirror, girl. Go. (sighs) Hey, great job helping your friend. Thanks. (laughs) Be completely self-conscious. Honestly, it's amazing how obnoxious you can be. I don't know if I've ever met anyone more annoying. (laughs) you.
0: So many people identify with having an inner critic like that? Yeah. So if you just, you have it, if your inner critic is trying to protect you from uh, being too, actually from sharing your need, your needs as a kid. Cause if you shared your needs as a, as a kid, you got stomped on. So you create a internalized parent figure of your abuser, your internalized repre- oppressor internalized abuser who, uh, insults you first in your head so that you don't say something where your parent figure insults you, kicks you, strangles you, goes you out, starves you. So that program is still operating. Oh, how do we segue? Oh. Okay, this...
4: Uh,
0: oh, this might also be, be bad for a two-year-old. Year. <laughs> but it's not me. It's Richard Granin.
1: The first thing I advise you to do is to be willing to be unlikable.
0: So if you want some super ego affirmations here's something that I think is a little better and I need to try to segue to act two
1: as you to do was to be willing to be unlikable being liked is not the best thing in the world anybody who implies or tells you or anything any corporation that tells you that the most important thing in life is to be liked is trying to enslave you you can tell them from me to go fuck themselves be less lamb You're not a sacrificial lamb. You're not a scapegoat. You're not here to bear the sins of others. Be more wolf. Be
0: Be less lamb. Be more wolf.
1: Willing to be savage in the defense of your own values. Number two is
0: being more savage. Defend your values, but also do uh, have some values. Identify your values. Oh, well, we lost Anonymous. She so can watch the video. So, no worries yeah, about the, t- the two year old anymore.
8: What if you are a lamb?
0: Crystal, you're you breaking up.
3: Lamb? Okay.
8: What
0: if you are a lamb? You have to find your inner wolf. You have but to find you your.
8: act like a wolf. You're not being true to yourself and then you hate yourself instead of love yourself.
0: Well, the part of you that hates yourself, that's part of your inner wolf. Part of you that is depressive, suicidal, and wants to kill yourself or hate yourself, that's part of your fight. But as a kid, if you shared your fight, you got stomped on. By your parent figure, or your abuser, or whatnot, so you stuffed your inner wolf to to fawn under the 4F model, so you become a fawner, and you identify as a fawner, and you've lost touch with your inner rebel. Part two is also controversial: engage in negative thinking. Are people ready?
1: Engage in negative thinking. So identify the things in life that you hate, say that you hate them, and then stay the hell away from them. You have the duty to judge, to criticize and condemn. Because if you fail to, you're taking away your teeth and your claws. Your ability to say, hey, that person is a horrible, nasty, fucking idiot. If you can't say that about that person, you're massively disempowered because you have to edit what they're doing. If all you're allowed to do is go, well, you know, we're all just children of the stars, and they experienced trauma in childhood, and they have a complex-sounding disorder that, you know, very clever people. Oh, fuck that. The guy's a, the guy's a piece of shit. The girl's a piece of shit. That's it. Simple. Real. True. Present. I said. Uh-
0: How many years ago do you think this was granted? This is a lot different than his recent stuff, right? (laughs) Now he's softened his delivery because he's gotten worn down by YouTube or something. So, embrace your negative thinking because that's more real, that's more true, that's more honest. And then when you actually start having positive life then you can embrace positive thinking but if your life sucks and you have trauma and you're disappointed if you don't own it, it feed your inner critic
1: uh, it's okay to proceed with half of an idea if you have half an idea for something proceed you have the right i grant you the right go
0: grant and grant you the right If you have half an idea, just get started. Stop being a perfectionist. Cheryl talked about learning how to make decisions and just mess up, get into motion. You have half an idea, do something.
1: Proceed with your half of an idea because everybody else around you has zero idea, not less of an idea, zero. So go ahead and work with that half of an idea and remember that vulnerability, Fragility, incompetence is the baseline state of humanity.
0: Stop trying to be too perfect. <laughs> Stop trying to be never vulnerable, <laughs> never human. If you disown your humanity, you're going the path of a, a narcissist. Your win, your advantage against a cluster B is your humanity if you can own your humanity then they get scared they get intimidated
1: so do you hold yourself accountable and do be uh, really brutally honest with yourself and when you're proceeding with half an idea make sure that you're embracing a philosophy of competition and of responsibility. So you're accountable for you. And take that extreme ownership policy, whatever happens in your team, if you're in charge, it's you.
0: Take charge of your life. That's being an adult. (laughs) This is Grannon with his superego. So he's redirecting his superego or his inner critic into a higher value system but it's much more uh, honest versus his nuanced stuff now.
1: (laughs) Doesn't matter if you had nothing to do with it, it's you, it's on you. Whatever, if it's a good philosophical position to adopt and it it kills the victimhood mentality, if you say, look, if it's happening in my life, if it's within my sphere of influence, it's my responsibility. Response ability, the ability to respond.
0: The ability to respond. That's a muscle. So if you aren't responding under chaos, under uncertainty, under risk, under requests of not saying a curse word because there's a two-year-old that might repeat it to her mom. You're not responding to new unreasonable requests from random people on the internet. You aren't building your ability to respond.
1: and the ability to respond might not be my fault but that's not what's a question most of the time what's a question is what can you do and what can you not do what actions are you willing to take what actions are you not willing to take the rest stays inside your head stays inside your body never manifests in the world and is so much ego masturbation and fluff it's just a waste of life it's a waste of time
0: so what can you do and what can you not do that's uh, control how much can you can control, and that's mostly your be your behavior, other people's behavior, much harder to control. But remember the c- control anchor, because I got to get to Act Two. Mm. So where are people at? Any triggers? We
8: know from child development.
0: We're going to jump to trust, a new framing of trust, and see how that sinks in. So instead of trying to program yourself, police yourself, this is a new way of looking at trust to maybe try to make it simpler or not.
8: ...development that there's a continuum of two poles that predict the best development. Long...
0: We're losing Kurt. It's getting good, and everyone's so quiet. Well, maybe that's why they're quiet, because Kurt's here. We'll find out. But. <laughs> so developmental, child development to build trust. Continuum two poles.
8: Two poles that two predict things. the best development long term. Predictability
0: and control. Predictability and, and control. So Granon talked about control. What can you do? What can you not do? The other uh, evaluation is predictability.
8: So some of our children have come from very unpredictable environments. Some of them have come from very controlling environments. But appropriate levels of predictability and control will help our children let go of the need to control the world.
0: So the goal is appropriate levels of both predictability and control.
8: So one of the primary mistakes that parents make about this is thinking, my child is so controlling, I'm going to take away control of everything. And see, they're going to learn to make good choices by making small choices.
0: I remember- making choices back to Cheryl and also Granton saying, if you have half an idea, get going. So you learn to make choices by small choices, then you build the muscle of making bigger choices. I
8: remember one darling little girl we worked with who had to be in control of everything and she was just a tiny little bitty snippet of a thing. She was like five years old. But her mother would was there in, and I was there with her in the home and her mother said, sweetie, we're gonna have a peanut butter sandwich for lunch, come onto the table. And she said, no, no, I have a better idea. Let's have a peanut butter sandwich for lunch.
0: <laughs> People catch that? So mother said "Tina butter sandwich, five-year-old tried to co-opt.
8: The little thing just had to feel like she was in control. And so we got down at her height and we looked her in the eye and said, no, mama already decided on the sandwich, but you could decide between these three fruits for our dessert, what do you choose? So see, I'm gonna let a child have some control. I'm sharing power. They're gonna practice making choices in a controlled environment
0: so making choices in a controlled environment so you're developing trust by sharing power not letting the other person fully control or not letting yourself also fully control you control the environment which was part of dark deception and communication skills you control the context to allow some level of illusion of shared power and that builds trust that is the grease of relationships.
8: so that they don't have to take over the world
0: you have trust and then that weakens uh, the desire to control utopia and all this other stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: this is going to be a jump or maybe not. How many people remember this chart? So this chart will be simplified into this chart. Two factors remember control what you can do and what you can't do and predictability That's your map of reality. So if you have appropriate levels of control, then you feel self-efficient, efficacious, in a scientific term. And then if you have enough life experience and you have a decent map of reality, to follow, you have, and you have good advice. You aren't getting bad advice that doesn't really help you predict the outcome. <laughs> or you aren't getting advice that says, uh, says, just don't have expectations. Drop expectations and then you, you won't be depressed. But then you also won't get any outcome. And so you still might be depressed. So <laughs> the problem isn't. Expectations. The problem is appropriate predictability. And then you don't judge yourself with, with perfectionism. And that's good enough, good enough control, good enough predictability leads to good enough trust. Good enough sharing power. How's that fall? Who's lost? Okay, where are you lost, Brenda?
5: Well, um isn't predictability and expectation the same thing yes. your expectations can be
0: outcome is predictability yes
5: so um back to the negative self-talk or whatever i think that going into a situation and being predictive of its negative you know
0: well let's use an uh, example action. Of your mom and your recent mom example, okay. For your disappointed, you had an expectation that she would communicate with you and not try to pick a fight.
5: Well, no, and, and ask
0: about I, I you, ask about you as a person because you were in the, close to the violence and whatnot. So that's where you were unpredicted. Your predictability level was lower, not enough. And then your control of how to influence her to get her to be more like old mom that also wasn't enough yeah therefore your trust level is low and you felt disappointed and sad because these two were not enough
5: yeah i mean yeah so that makes that makes more sense actually because I thought that just saying, like, let's back away from the conversation, it would end there because in in the past it has. It's been like, okay. It It worked
0: before. You tried your action, your control. It didn't work. You got disappointed. Your level of trust with your mom got lowered. So instead of looking at red flags, oops. Instead of looking at red flags for trust, evaluate control and predictability. That's the reframe. And then the reframe is also...
10: Well, I also think as you get more control in your life, it becomes more predictable. So I think it's a symbiotic relationship. And as those pieces as you start to heal, and get away from the um, craziness, it the healing, there's just something magical in it. And it just keeps happening more often. But you have to work really hard at it and and grasp it. Grasp that feeling
0: or grasp well, what? Well,
10: the predictability and the control. And um, by setting yourself up with knowing what you can control and what you can't control and thinking about what you need to make your life more predictable. And I think you're right, when you get those together, you have more energy, you're thinking clear, clearer, because you feel like your life is more predictable and in control.
0: Predictability and control are a paradox. This is a problem of not having enough time to lay the groundwork, but we'll see if I can make try to make it make some sense. So predictability is a need for certainty. Oops. A human need for certainty. But there's also, the other side of predictability, a human need for variety and uncertainty. Because what happens is if you have too much certainty, you're in jail, (laughs) life is boring, you need some level of novelty, excitement, variety, otherwise you go crazy. Like nine and a half months of isolation, COVID, people want variety. So, predictability is always a moving target, but it's a balance between variety and certainty. And control is a balance between significance being seen, which is terrifying. To codependence because you got hammered if you were too uh, outspoken for your needs and also connection so connection and significance is the balance of control having enough space to feel significant but also having enough contact connection so that you're seeing that you're part of something, but not so much that you're enmeshed and you're invisible. How does this fall? I
13: feel like it's another trap. Where you're not going
0: to be good enough? Well, like well, that's where... You
13: spend all the time kind of trying to be like, okay, do I have this balance going on?
0: It's just good enough. If you're trying to control the balance, then you don't have enough predictability. Or you're imbalanced. If you're trying to control too much, you're clinging to the outcome then you haven't, you haven't done your, you're lost in uh, this chart. You're lost here. You aren't taking action. And then you're just lost in the result. How do I stop that? triggering stop <laughs> it's triggering
5: it is remember the first time you I can't handle it
0: it triggered you I
5: don't like baby crying
0: what's part three okay part three has some more easier stuff let's see if we can do something here oh So what's the big, uh, what's the stumbling block? Controller, predictability. Trust, sharing power. Fear. Fear of... Failure. Fear of failure. okay that's uh, experiential avoidance and let's stay there or we're losing B okay take care join in more next time so fear of failure
11: and also fear of success (laughs)
0: <laughs> not
11: really for me it shows up both because if I try something new
6: and then I have to go and learn all this new shit sorry my language then you know that, that's potential for more failure so by not taking action I'm avoiding all those I think I'm avoiding the fear but it's actually not working I,
13: I, I don't know if this is related to what Farha is saying, but I think also, you know, I am not very disciplined with regard to making something like predictable. Even you really, I mean, you can predict when we're going to work, right? You can predict that I was going to be at work between nine and nine thirty. But I'm not a person who's going to like have a routine in the morning and like leave the house at 7 03 and catch the seven like I every day for me is different within a certain bound. And so my fear and is related to like the ability to be predictable at all. Or to create predictability in my life at
0: all. Well, let me say that maybe the way you're describing your life is predictable enough. So the definition of predictability is maybe where we have a mismatch. So the argument is just good enough predictability. And what good enough predictability is you need to have enough of a map of the world map of social reality how to get from point a to point b so that you're aware and to be aware is you can look at your target you can orient yourself so if you want to get to work can you orient yourself on where you are in your map like your gps signal can you get signals to map, link your map to where you are so you can get you can use your map and get from point A to point B is your work that good enough predictability my argument isn't isn't to say that you need so much predictability that you can precisely navigate and say, I'll make it in 10 minutes, there's 5 cars, there's going to be a stoplight here. It just has to be good enough so you can function in your social reality. Does that make more sense, Adria? Yeah,
13: applying good enough there makes more sense.
0: And then good enough control This is probably more codependents manipulate uh, passively. So control is two styles. You seek and you accept. You give and take. So the problem is that narcissists take too much. They never give, right? And the problem is codependents give too much then they feel resentful because they don't take back enough. So then there's a imbalance of control. You're trying to control other people and you're not controlling what you can do. And you're not communicating these decisions to work for your differences and other people's needs so that you have a healthy give and take which is a relationship so who has some Trixie
7: yeah so um, what if your issue with um, predictability and all of it actually is that your trust is a is because you don't you you don't trust the information coming in or processing because you've been gaslighted so many times and all this so you literally can't have, struggle with trusting because you can't predict anything because everything is wrong like it doesn't make Unclear. sense. clear yeah
0: everything's covered up you can't see things for real or It's cognitive dissonance. The map of people are modeling behavior and they're saying something opposite. What you're seeing and what you hear mismatch.
7: Yes, and that's repeated so often that you just kind of blanketly use it through, like it hits you in every aspect of your life where you feel like you can't trust your perception of what's happening around you.
0: You can't trust your perceptions. So then you your predictability is too low. So then you cling onto control to try to counterbalance it. But what you need is more predictability. You need to update your map or moral philosophy.
7: Okay. Thank you. Ooh
0: and the third part started getting there
7: Uh,
0: but how do we finish this uh, so the solution is to get uh, better friends (laughs) healthy associate and uh, some level of leadership
4: uh, yay I was right sorry I didn't mean to Feel your thunder at the beginning but <laughs> that's what i said right you know what i said
0: uh, maybe yes, I'll I'll i said time. find
4: people who have love to give
0: <laughs> uh, but how what does that look look like that's the hard part
4: well yeah they have capacity for empathy and yeah and being healthy as well you know people who mm,
0: so this is one pointer mm.
2: Here's how you know if someone's your friend. A, you can tell them bad news and they'll listen. They won't tell you why, you know, you're stupid and why that bad thing happened to you and how something worse happened to them once and, you know, derail the whole conversation. You can actually tell them bad news and they'll listen. So that's a good thing. And then this is a weirder thing. You can tell them good news and they'll help you celebrate. And that's a really good way of deciding who you should have around you, because if you have someone around you, you know, something good happens to you and you're kind of afraid to even admit it because, you know, God, something good happened to you. It's like you let that be known and it'll certainly be taken away. So, you know, you, you come out and you sort of tell someone half-heartedly that something good happened to you and they they give you a whack and then talk about, you know, the great thing that happened to them three years ago or worse, the great thing that happened to someone that they knew three years ago. You know, it's like, Go away from that person. They're not helpful to you. And they're not helpful to themselves either. you got to surround yourself with people who want the best for the best part of you.
0: That's tricky, I would say. I would think. You want people that want the best for the best part of you. What? So
13: this is, I think I brought this up before, so I'm not going to harp on it. But he mentioned those two things, right? But shouldn't a friend also be able to do that back to you? Or maybe, or does that mean you are a bad friend and they're a good friend? Meaning they should be able to tell you bad stuff mm-hmm. or feel that they can.
0: Yes, it should be two ways. So there should be enough trust where they're going to be able to hear your bad news and and your good news and vice versa. And the goal the idea, the accountability, is that you and your friend keep each other in check where the goal is the best for the best of you and the best for the best of them.
13: So if they don't, does that mean that like you, you suck or does it mean you're not
4: friends or I don't think it just means you're, you're not going to get what you, what could help develop you in that relationship. That's, a it's give, not a, that's not a give-and-take yeah, relationship. It's, it's not a developing
0: relationship. It's just a mm-hmm. uh, pastime. But it's not going to be conducive to growth. Yeah, at some point, point you're going
4: to feel it's wasting your time. At some point, I suppose.
0: There's a saying that if you die and you can count the number of friends in one hand, or two hands, but one hand, then you've lived a full life.
13: It's also like, you know, I was thinking about that dynamic of not allowing one, not allowing oneself to be cared for. And uh, that's also like depriving the other person of the ability to be able to care for someone. Right. Um, Which my narcs my mother also does, right? I I have no needs or weaknesses either. So you don't get the opportunity to like, return the favor now that I'm old, fat. Um, You know, I like, I have all the power still. So maybe I have friendships that are like that, right? So I have some friends who will listen to my bad stuff and Mm -hmm. will help, but they will not um, like do the same in reverse. I have others who will, you know, we have a back and forth. So is that the not growth? Or is that maybe just a, like a willfulness of like, I'm not going to give this. If you're not. Maybe uh, it could be anarchy.
0: If you're not having give and take.
4: Yeah, I question.
0: Then you're not developing deeper trust.
4: And there might be something between them.
0: Trust issues somewhere, you or them. Because the relationship is about give and take.
4: Yeah, are they intimacy avoidant? Yeah, well, it's about them supporting you in your in your trauma, right? That's what the part you're not getting from them.
0: No, the next level is more precise at the next video. Let's see. Oh, right, this is tough.
3: When you're feeling all worked up and upset at someone, it feels good to have a friend you can call who you know will always be on your side. Example, you just had a fight with your lover, and your friend says, yeah, he's a total dick. F that guy. While that feels good and it's what you want, it might not be what you need. Because while you're...
0: So this is the difference between feeling good and what you need. Do you want a friend that wants the best for the best of you? Or do you want a friend that just going to make you feel good?
3: Friend may agree with you and think you're right all the time. You're not right all the time. Nobody is. And this is why I bring up the distinction between being a cheerleader versus being objective this is why it's so vital that the people you go to when you're in distress don't become your personal pet squad of fury you want to talk to someone who knows how you process information and can recognize when you've stopped processing and are just going caca crazy so look for people who will provide you with empathic objectivity and of course you'll want to return a favor When someone supports you with empathic objectivity, they acknowledge and validate your feelings, but they also help you see more than just your side. They enable you to see the entire situation you're dealing with. This is part of what makes the meaningful connections in your life so priceless. So treasure the friend who can provide you with emotional objectivity, not just be a cheerleader.
14: Yeah, How's I, this fall? No, I agree with that completely. So I have the privilege of having five sisters in my life. Um, <laughs> there are nine of us. And I mean, I have learned now finally in my forties, which sister is which, right? I, so I have one sister that does that well, Empathic. But I have another sister who I, I realize now I purposefully call, it doesn't matter what I told her a guy has done or my exit. girl, you want me to run him over my car? It doesn't matter. Like even before I go all the way into the storage, Oh, you know I just bought a truck, and you know trucks, are, like it's. she's ready to slash or cut a tire or she doesn't. And I realize now that when I do want that, I when I want to just hear someone just be angry with me, she's the sister to call. And if I need something a bit more objective, try two other sisters who are a bit more. In. I think it's really important. I, I mean, I know not everyone has maybe a, a good plethora of people to choose from, but I feel fortunate in that way that I've learned to identify Because early on, I did, she was the go-to sister, because just like the video said, she was ready to cut or slash anybody's tires for me.
0: To join in the rage. But that's just catching up with the excitement. When things matter, uh, to say, yeah, things matter objectively, then not reliable. But that's good to have different sources. other reactions so ultimately it's leadership which is not common in today's society because everyone's so self-centered or listening to narcissists so, Vaknin describes the ideal of leadership.
15: Leader, a good leader is like a good spouse or intimate partner. It's wrong to merge. It's wrong to become one. It's wrong oh, okay. to fuse. That's not leadership. That's psychosis. That hmm. is typical in cults, especially personality cults. Hmm. A good leader is not about becoming one with you, representing you. Is not your long arm. A good leader is about motivating you to be you. Okay. And if, if this you is different to the leader, is not like the leader, opposes the leader, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Because that's what a good leader and a good parent does so that's
0: wanting the best for the best of you even if the best of you is different from the leader from the parent from the friend that's enough separation to allow you to have your story your potential your gift even if it threatens the leader the friend the parent
15: i keep saying that the the main role of a good mother is to push away her children. To yeah. push them away. To l- allow them to separate. Too, but yeah. And the same with a good leader. The, the main role of the good leader is to generate self autonomy, self reliance, mm-hmm. self sufficiency, uh, self efficacy, agency, empowerment. He a good leader doesn't seek doesn't want people to be weak and dependent on him. That's not a good leader. Okay. A good yeah. leader wants to be wants people to be so strong that one day they will get rid of him, depose okay. him. That's difficult, <laughs> exceedingly yeah. difficult. In the entire history of the human race, I can count on on two hands maybe leaders who were like that.
0: so leadership is about our trust trust is leadership and it's alternating back and forth because there's different needs so the leader takes the lead ultimately is the follower is pushed or goaded to also take the lead or start leading their life if it's a always hierarchical top-down relationship, then it's uh, codependence or enmeshment. Mm. Seven minutes.
9: I think objective friends are hard to come by. Hmm...
0: Is it to come by or something you have to invest in?
9: I feel that I'm often that way with friends, but I, it doesn't get reciprocated. You know, I'll get sympathy. Are
14: they too much of cheerleaders? Is that what it is? Or they're not helpful at all? I'm trying to assess the same thing in terms of well, like-
9: right. You know, either, they can be cheerleaders or they can be um, self-centered or they'll switch it to, themselves. Um, but I just don't come across those objective type of friends often who will are willing to call you out and say, well, you know or or have you look at your perspective.
4: Mm-hmm. That'll
9: challenge, you know, challenge
0: you. i would agree that Uh, Western society doesn't have that much. But uh, it's almost you have to share some struggle. You have to prove yourself or the other person has to prove yourself to you. And then with that bond of shared struggle, then you can be real. Otherwise, people are hiding behind a mask. Or it's a good weather friendship that's where Trina was saying the sisters the sisters grew up and there's blood there's investment shared suffering so that bond is a bit deeper than just a a social friendship which uh, can be very transient what about uh, your childhood stuff didn't you recently reconnect with some of them from ireland yeah
9: well you know those are relationships i had in the first what 25 years of my life Mm -hmm. but it's it's funny to maybe not having seen people for a couple of years we just fall back into the you know where we left
0: off really all the old patterns yeah well
9: yeah to some extent but when the when the duration is brief it's you don't want to risk that time in trying to assert some change that you're maybe, maybe you're seeing things differently but it's us say different because we do make over zoom now over the past year so you know that's given an opportunity for that but it's interesting to see dynamics sort of uh, more unhealthy dynamics i might not have noticed before
5: my dad used to say that if someone couldn't hear your objectivity or like your the other side of the story that you were friends with that that meant they weren't a real friend they were just like using you as a sounding board and I think there's some truth to that, but I feel like, again, there's like a there's a pendulum swing to this where, if you go too far in the other direction, for instance, if you're always contrary, right, then then um, you, wouldn't wanna the door. Uh, you wouldn't want to answer the door, you wouldn't want to engage either, right? It's it's the same thing for like management. If I'm always contrary to my employees when they come with me with with a problem, um, or an, Whatever, then they're not going to feel comforted. So it's, I think it's a balance. But as a codependent person, that's extremely difficult. You always want to like give edification to the person's face. So
7: I get it. Well, I I think it's like, who's at the door? two-step process it's like you know like at first you validate the person's feelings so they feel understood and then afterward you give them like your objective opinion and I don't know if there some people may not be willing to listen to your objective opinion unless they first feel understood and that your feelings matter
15: Um.
6: For people like us who like to pacify and serve and agree with others innately, it's it can be a helpful exercise whenever you're having a conversation or whenever somebody's coming to you and asking you a question to try to try to look at things from both sides. Look at the look look at what's right and look at what's wrong. Look at what's good and look at what's bad, and just have that conversation. Like, I agree with you're saying, I think you're doing really good at this but have you considered this other stuff? Or, yeah, I think what you did there was really good, but maybe this could have been done a little bit better. Like, there's a tricky sort of balance that I think is is healthy uh, to have when you're interacting with people. You never want to be the contrarian 100% of the time, because then everybody just hates you. And you don't want to be the uh, cheerleader 100% of the time either, because then it's not genuine. It's all, it's all fluff. Um, I think it could be helpful to try to force yourself to, to play both, see both sides.
14: I, mean, I, I think my, my, my work in being, I agree with Jeff and I think I've had practice to do that with having been a teacher, right? I remember in my education program them telling us no matter how this kid is, right? And no offense to any parents, but as teachers, we have some kids in that class that their behavior is and especially some of the schools I've taught. And like, so it doesn't matter how kind of, you know, much this student misbehaves and doesn't do work. When you sit with the parent, start with something positive. Even if it's like, well, every day he shows up to school with his pencils. However, and then kind of lead into, so I think, you know, something about being an educator has also gives a training into, Bringing something positive to the situation and then leading into other things. I find I do that well with family, uh, uh, students, co-workers, just never in relationships. I can't just look at someone and say, give it, do exactly what I just, it just It doesn't seem to come out of me. It's like I literally, I get lost for words and I'm rambling like I'm a three-year-old.
2: Um,
0: maybe you are a three-year-old. Maybe the uh, intimacy and the trigger is all that stuff. Um, or that's the awareness practice. So that's where I would argue that uh, loving yourself first and becoming healthy and getting all that done first, and then you go into relationships. That formula doesn't work. Because you need to go into relationships to trigger the stuff in your shadow and your inner child so it's an awareness if you're isolated and you're in your silo listening to uh, like minds you are going to get your inner children your shadow triggered
4: yeah the trigger is the opportunity to prove your self-love just like we prove our love for others we prove our love to ourselves
0: Well, it's starting a relationship with those inner parts. Mm -hmm. Let's see if this can wrap it up or not. I'm not sure.
11: My dating history is a hot mess inside of a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck, swirled up in a tornado. All of the lessons that I needed to learn over the years have showed up in the form of my lovers. Like, oh yeah, I dated my family dynamic, my fear of commitment, my bad boundaries, my fear of commitment, my low sense of self-worth, my fear of commitment, my fear of commitment, my fear of commitment. Which all things considered is, is a little ironic. I never saw myself as someone who was like actually afraid of commitment. You know, I've always deeply yearned to be a wife and a mother. But I have finally accepted, on a conscious level, that subconsciously, I have sought out people who are also afraid of commitment, ensuring that our relationship will never go anywhere, but that I can feel superior, like I'm trying to find what I want. And there's one event I remember in particular that's solidified this belief. I was maybe seven or eight, and my mom had recently shaved.
0: Now this is key, but we don't have time to get get into this, but the mother who's enabling Who's smothering right here that causes just as much damage if not more damage than the abuser the this is more of the covert abuse from the mother using the the child as a emotional sponge
11: this belief. I was maybe seven or eight, and my mom had recently shaved her head when she was drunk. It was very Britney Spears, she looked very fierce bald, And she was crying on the stairs because she was raising three children alone while my dad was overseas fighting a war or whatever, which I'm sure we can agree is the easier of the two situations. And she said to me,
7: Don't have children, have a career, don't make the mistake I made, be ambitious.
11: And you know, when I was a kid, hearing these words from my distraught mom. <laughs> you are such a loser, mom. <laughs> I laughed in her face and then ran outside to play basketball because kids are assholes. You know, for a lot of us, relate.
0: So at the time, she didn't really think it was uh, a big deal. But now she has commitment issues. she's a workaholic. She's following the rule the mom gave her. Even though she remembers she laughed at laughed at it at the at the time.
11: Relationships are the way impl-
0: that we grow and Iman. Does,
9: does she imply that going raising kids is harder than going to war? But I hear that.
0: Oh, the mother? I forgot. The mother was no. raising kids and the husband was, was overseas back. in war. I,
5: yeah, but she was like, that's the, the I worst it was it. Wasn't, Jeff. She was like, it was the worst of the... We can agree that him being in the war was the, the, the like, the crappier the situation, or the harder situation. I, no. I had the same reaction, like, says who? <laughs> war was the easier situation, but she was joking. No, no, no. Um, she meant, she, she meant that the he had the, or she, the mom had the, he said the harder situation was the, the dad that was gone. And I'm not certain. She so
13: sure. was, I heard her being sarcastic and I mean. like the mother being at home alone with three children while he was at war was the hardest situation. Like as a joke, yeah. she's like a comedic. I, that, it.
9: But I didn't take it as a joke. So I, did not, no, I didn't I didn't, think I didn't take that sarcasm.
0: Well, she said it as a joke, but I would think that <laughs> the mother Getting lost and being abandoned and alone was having competitive love.
5: I didn't take it as a joke, so apparently my my humor radar is off. I've noticed that people don't get like sarcasm
13: anymore, but yeah.
10: But it's an
0: edgy, it's it's not a pure pit joke, it's a joke to make light of the pain.
5: I'm um, one of the most sarcastic people you'll ever meet. But um, that didn't come across as sarcasm to me, so maybe she needs to work on her humor.
2: Yeah, it didn't come across as sarcasm to me. Was she giving her mother's perspective?
4: <laughs> was she giving her mother's perspective? Was she trying to say her mother was losing it and came back, like her mother suffered more really? because she was, ended up so messed up, and dad came out better?
10: I, mean, I like, this is subjective subjective This opinion. would trigger
0: so much stuff. I would have started with this video. The mom's job's obviously
6: harder. <laughs>
10: Because this
0: mom,
13: I agree with you, but
9: (laughs) like turning into a DVD player. I mean, that's so much more difficult than fighting a war.
0: This mom crying and using the daughter as a a therapy therapist, little therapist. That is so common.
5: What did you? What did you just say? Put the dinner in the TV in the, the TV dinner and the. What did you say?
0: This mother, who uses emotional hunger mm. and dumps her anxiety onto the daughter, this smothering type of love leaves lingering wounds for decades and rest of your life.
4: Can you explain the smothering aspect of that?
0: <sighs> this is where I thought it was dangerous. Just no, we
16: like it. it. Keep
5: going. No, no. I, I'm
4: right here. Just,
16: because I See? know that.
0: Right here. Or oh, watch this. One
16: of the most destructive, yet least recognized oh, God, ways of being with a child are what we call a, a parent feeling emotionally hungry towards a child. By emotional hunger, I mean strong feelings of intense uh, dependency or intense need. It feels like a strong ache inside the parent to reach out to a child, to touch him, to be affectionate, to maybe overprotect a child, or later on when the child grows, is growing up, to live through the child's accomplishments. But this need, going back to the need to reach out and touch a child, it's really an effort, but parents don't understand this. They don't know it when they're feeling it. It's an effort to get affection and love from the child.
0: That's a smothering part. Yeah. They're taking attention and love with the it mask It smothers
4: them because it steals emotions from them. It it steals their emotional the way the narcissist steals our emotional
16: it's invasive. reaction. It's invasive, yeah, from the child rather than to. There's an example. Give she, it to she the gives, child. I, think. I have a really short example <laughs> I was on a plane and there was um. A woman next to me, and she had a little two-year-old who had his own seat in the plane, because he was two years old. But the plane was starting to take off, and she got so nervous and shaky, and she took her child and put him on her lap, and started stroking him and going, oh, honey, it's all right. And the thing is, he had been perfectly fine, but he started squirming, and then he started crying and screaming. And she was trying to take comfort from the child, to get security from the child, whereas (laughs) she was the adult. And he was a child, and he really, but he didn't even need the comfort. So, so many parents mistake these feelings of emotional hunger for affection because the sensations feel the same internally. And again, it goes back to maybe the ways that their parents treated them. Maybe a parent was so overprotective or so intrusive into their lives. It's all they know. And they didn't even recognize it. So it's hard for them to recognize that they're doing it now to their children. And we found that this is one of and the most important concepts And parents they're messed up. Concepts they can't have a decent adult that that relationship. Can learn.
0: It's only enmeshment. because the
4: person, cause the person who has a feeling isn't allowed to have a feeling.
0: There's no space. Yeah. That's there's a no smothering. Space,
4: there's no space for an adult to have a feeling in their presence. To have adult Negative feelings. Negative emotions. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: To be in contained in you. So codependents who only know love as emotional hunger as smothering if you feel someone else have adult emotions you have a knee jerk reaction to rescue to smother them because that's how you receive love
4: and the narcissist has a desire to run or the love avoidant
0: well they're more avoidant so -hmm. they can sort of see you that's the love bombing but that's also artificial
4: yeah that's where it ends
0: it's also enmeshment they're not seeing you as a separate person. They're seeing you as an idealized uh, projection. That's a different
4: topic. <laughs>